Welcome to the Thursday Night Bulwark. I'm Charlie Sykes sitting in for, well, I don't know who I'm sitting in for, but uh, we have breaking news tonight, uh, as many of you may have already heard. Uh, Donald Trump announced on Truth Social that he, in fact, had been indicted by the federal government in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. The New York Times is reporting that, yes, in fact, the federal prosecutors have made that move. This is not uh, an indictment involving January 6th yet. I mean, Jack Smith can still do that. But uh, again, for the first time in American history, a former president has been indicted twice, uh, not just by New York official, but now by the federal government. So obviously, we're waiting for the fallout from this. Uh, he is, of course, uh, ranting and raving. There's ketchup all over the walls in Mar-a-Lago. He is attacking the, the prosecutors. So uh, we have a lot to talk about today. So Obviously, uh, joining me is our A-team tonight, uh, uh, my colleague Mona Charon, uh, Will Salatan, who uh, is uh, is on my podcast on Monday, and and our congressional reporter, Joe Perticone, is going to talk about the incredible dysfunction in the House of Representatives. So uh, again, with this breaking news, um, we're obviously going to be focusing on what it means, what Jack Smith has done. Uh, we don't know exactly what the charges are, whether or not it involves uh, the uh, the retention of the documents or the dissemination of the documents. We don't know whether it involves obstruction or obstruction and espionage. We don't know at this point uh, whether or not uh, there was a conspiracy, whether other people are going to be indicted as well. What we do know is that we are in absolutely uncharted territory with the former president of the United States, who is the leading Republican candidate for president, who now faces a federal indictment. Um, again, so let's let's step back from this for a moment, because I want to give us just a few minutes for the news to catch up with this development. I think this broke about, what was it, about five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago? Uh, Mona, have you been following this? Uh, well, to the degree that you can when it's so fresh. But uh, but yes, Trump uh, put out on Truth Social that uh, he had been invited in, uh, indicted in what he is calling the boxes case mm -hmm. um, and immediately saying, you know, that uh, Biden has, uh, you know, some made up number in, near his Corvette, you know, the, the, the stream right. of consciousness bullshit that he does, excuse me. Um, and uh, and so at first I wasn't you know, I wasn't prepared to accept this as reality because Trump can say anything. But uh, but when The New York Times reported that, indeed, he had been indicted, I think you can take that to the bank. Uh, this is an this is a a really important historical moment. It is the first time that a president has been a former president has been indicted. Um, he richly deserves this. Uh, it. It comes to a point, you know, we on, on Beg to Differ, we've gone back and forth over the months and years saying, you know, there are so many pros and cons. I was not a fan of the New York indictment. I thought it was weak. I thought it was, uh, you know, it, it, it failed to to zero in on the, the gravity of his offenses against the country and the Constitution by focusing on sex and payoffs and so forth. <clears throat> but this this indictment is very weighty and you know there does come a point where when a president or a former president has committed so many crimes it doesn't you, you can't weigh in the balance well is it a good idea strategically to indict him will this just strengthen whatever you can't do that anymore because it's so overwhelming that just justice demands that there be an indictment and accountability. And we don't know what this is going to cause. We don't know how the country is going to react, but it was the, the right and necessary thing. It had to happen. So, Will, I want to ask you um, about this, your your initial reaction. Again, we're still waiting on the details of this. I think it really matters um, whether or not uh, Jack Smith has a so-called speaking indictment, whether he tells the story and lays out all of the evidence. I think it does matter. Uh, what the top line, what the headline is, whether it is obstruction, whether it is uh, the dissemination, whether or not the word espionage appears. So uh, I, I also think that one of the themes that I want to touch on tonight is whether or not we're in a new era, because I think it's very easy to get stuck in sort of the horse race, conventional wisdom that nothing matters, nothing ever changes, the polls never work, that this, in fact, will strengthen him. 
I guess I want to uh, challenge that conventional wisdom because, first of all, we just do not know what we don't know. We don't know what public opinion will be. Uh, we have polls out suggesting that something like two-thirds of Americans think that these are serious crimes and that they are disqualifying crimes. Uh, so let's let's keep that in mind. We also are in this new era where there are Republican candidates for president who have shown a mixed willingness to attack Donald Trump. I mean, this is something that we have not, we did not see in 2016. So right. Will, just give me your thoughts with this breaking news. By the way, before we, we do that, let me just read you what the New York Times is reporting. Um, Trump is the first former president in the United States history to face federal charges. The Justice Department took the legally and politically momentous step of lodging federal criminal charges, plural, against former uh, President Donald J. Trump, multiple people familiar with the matter said on Thursday, following a lengthy investigation of his handling of classified documents that he took with him upon leaving office and then obstructing the government's efforts to reclaim them. The indictment filed in the in federal district court in Miami is the first time in American history a former president has faced federal charges. It puts the, nat the nation in an extraordinary position given Mr. Trump's status, not only as a one-time chief executive, but also as the front runner for the 2024 presidential nomination to face President Biden. So uh, your thoughts, Will? Well, what the argument you're gonna hear from the Trump people and from Republicans who are sympathetic to him is that uh, we should apply the law equally and it's un we've never done this to a president before, so it would be wrong to target this president. And Biden isn't getting indicted. Pence isn't getting indicted for his classified documents case. So Trump shouldn't either. So the principle is right. The principle of equal treatment right. for the law. The examples are wrong, right? Because if Charlie, we don't know the details, but I think you you, you spoke in there about the obstruction aspect of the case that distinguishes Trump's classified documents from Pence's, from Biden's. Um, in addition. The reason why we haven't had a president indicted before is nobody's done what Donald Trump has done. So it is unprecedented, but that's not because this guy is being targeted for his political views. Again, Mike Pence, similar political views, not targeted. Why? Relevant differences between the two cases. So we're going to have to get the country through, get half the country or whatever right. percentage of the country is sympathetic to Trump through this myth that if you prosecute Trump, but don't prosecute other people in classified document cases, that is unequal treatment. It is actually equal treatment with respect to relevant differences. And that's why it's really important that this prosecution focus on the obstruction aspect of the case and not on the existence of the documents being in Mar-a-Lago in the first place. And also perhaps the motive, we, we don't know that. Now, uh, one of the big questions is, will the Republican base rally around him? Will the Republican establishment uh, rally around Donald Trump as they have in the past? Uh, Joe, you hang out on Capitol Hill. You talk to a lot of these folks. What do you think the reaction is is going to be? Because I think the assumption is that one after another, you know, the least Stefanics of the world, Kevin McCarthy's of the world are going to troop out uh, over the next few days and say, you know, what a terrible thing this this was. So what do you expect? to see on Capitol Hill? And what are you going to be looking for? Because I'm really um, interested in this. Well, the, the arraignment, I guess, is supposed to happen Tuesday at 3, which is perfect, because then it's Whoa. right where they come in for votes. Um, <laughs> so perfect for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'd expect more of the same of what we've seen before, where there's a mix of outright defenders, people who don't want to comment, and then lonely Mitt Romney, you know, saying what he really thinks. And... I'm more interested in how the presidential candidates handle this because right. they, they have an incentive to attack Donald Trump, as opposed to, you know, if you're running for re-election of the House or Senate, you have an incentive to defend him. Whereas, so someone like Ron DeSantis, you saw he took kind of veiled shots at the first mm -hmm. indictment about, you know, his character. Maybe he goes harder this time. You saw- I mean, the, it is in Florida too. So that sort yeah. of doubles down on DeSantis. And like the last one, too, you saw like Vivek Ramaswamy like defending him. They all marched out to defend him. And it's like, you're not going to beat a guy if you're defending him. So if you really do want to win, I think that's where you'll see candidates kind of break the mold. And I'd expect someone maybe like DeSantis to do that. I wouldn't expect someone who might be just doing this to get a VP spot 
to really come out and do anything other than defend him. So do the details actually matter? I mean, does, does do the does the the evidence actually matter? So let's say that it is the SBI. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. People will know this uh, tomorrow. Or, or is this just going to be the knee-jerk formula that he's Donald Trump and you must align with him? I mean, is there anything that might be in this indictment that will cause people to say, you know, maybe I'm not going to put out that statement? Um, or, or is that naive? I think with a certain class of elected Republican, maybe. Um, but for most of them, for most people, you know, with that incentive of wanting to get reelected, they're going to make the political call. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's how it always is, not just for the indictments, but for everything he's done going back to, you know, 2016. Okay. So Mona, you wrote something very um, interesting earlier this week uh, about suggesting that maybe there was some tiptoeing toward norm normality or normalcy among the Republicans, you know, that after years and years and years of nobody standing up to uh, to Donald Trump uh, or saying anything critical. Now we're starting to see a few green shoots, you know, down in Texas. They're actually uh, imp impeaching, maybe removing, you know, the the extremely MAGA attorney general there, uh, Chris Christie, you know, hitting very, very hard. And I want to spend some time on Chris Christie, even Mike Pence going after him. You know, one of the questions about DeSantis was, would he punch back against Donald Trump? And you're seeing that. So, Talk to me a little bit about this. I mean, because again, we it's easy to get stuck in the nothing matters. It's always going to be the same, which is probably true. But do you actually think that maybe we're in a new era that as of right now, as we're talking on Thursday night, that with federal indictments coming out, Republican candidates who've shown a willingness to attack him, is something new happening? Come on, find 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 that pony in this in this giant pile. It's usually Will's job, but I'm asking Mona today. Yeah, <clears throat> look, uh, I think new era. It's a little too soon to say. Yeah. But what I would say is this: that for you know what feels like a hundred years, we have had the exact same uh, pattern, which was any outrage that Trump committed he would only be criticized by Democrats. And the lone Republican who criticized him was there was pile on and you were accused of being a Democrat for even criticizing Trump. And every excuse was made. Over the last number of weeks, we have seen in the, uh, even in the Republican world, we have seen signs that there is some, I mean, we've think of what we've heard already from Asa Hutchinson, who's yeah. been very, very clear ever since he got in the race, he's been very tough on Trump. He's a Republican. We now heard the kind of things from Mike Pence that he has never said before, never brought himself to say. Mixed record, but yeah. yeah. Sorry? Mixed? Yeah, mixed. Yeah, okay, we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, yes, very much so. But now I'm just focusing on the pony mm. here, okay? Yeah, okay. So he has said the things that, that needed saying, whatever else the caveats are, which we all know very well, uh, that that January 6th was, was Trump's fault and that he endangered my life and that he wanted me to violate my oath to the Constitution and nobody who violates the Constitution or asks someone else to do so should ever be president, et cetera, even though he said he'll... Never mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. We know. Then you had Chris Christie. And well, let me go back to Texas because um, because one detail about this impeachment of Ken Paxton is that Trump warned the members of the legislature right. in Texas beforehand, don't do this. I will come after you. Explicitly yeah, anyway. said that. Yeah. I will fight you. And they did it anyway. They defied him. And then you see, you know, Kevin McCarthy, believe it or not. But I mean, you know, he, Trump in, kind of instructed the Republicans in Congress to default on the national debt uh, because he said, if you don't get everything you want from the Democrats, you, you have to default. And of course, um, the, the, uh, the Republicans in Congress also defied Trump. Um, and so, and now you have Chris Christie and Mike Pence in the race also piling on. You've had Ron DeSantis being a little bit critical. I wouldn't, you know, put too much stock in him, 
But um, in his willingness to fight, that is, we'll see. I mean, that, the jury's out on him, I, I yeah. would say. Um, but all of these things accumulate. And now this indictment drops into an atmosphere that has already been a little softened up by, well, you know, what we've seen, this, this, you know, flexing those muscles of criticizing Trump openly. And, so, and there's that old that question of collective action, right? Is right. that do you move the Overton window of acceptable criticism? So you you have Chris Christie is on this looks like a kamikaze mission, but does he actually make it more acceptable? So I want to get Will's take on this, but before we do this, because I do think this is extraordinary, and we, and we can rip on Mike Pence, you know, for the rest of the hour. But um, in, in case people miss this, and I have to admit this is surprising to me, the super PAC backing Mike Pence, put out a very hard-hitting ad specifically targeting Donald Trump on January 6th. And I cannot remember, with the exception of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, any Republican going this hard against Donald Trump. So, Jim, can we play cut number one? This is the ad from the Mike Pence super PAC comparing him with Donald Trump on January 6th a president begging him to ignore the Constitution, a mob shouting for him to die, and an anxious nation watching for one man to do what's right. A weak man appeases a mob. A man of courage and character stands up to them. That day, one man failed the test of leadership, while another stood tall. And since then, this so-called leader has continued to abandon our conservative principles. Now, with a woke mob trying to take away our freedom, we need a president who won't flinch, who won't try to cut deals with our values. A president with the courage and the faith to lead us through turbulent times and keep America the beacon of freedom for all mankind. Mike Pence for president. Committed to America PAC is responsible for the content so you, you you had the usual blah blah blah, but but will uh, to repeat myself, damn! I mean that's <laughs> Mike Pence going after Donald Trump, the weak man. Um, you, 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 just your thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, it, it, it's naive to say that we're in a new era, but we have the indictment dropping. Mike Pence and Chris Christie have answered the question: Are they going to go hard after Donald Trump? And they are. What do you think, Will? Yeah, so Mo Mona's uh, analogy there was exercising your muscles. Um, I'm going to throw in another analogy, which is I feel like I'm watching uh, a primate tribe, a, a, a troop <laughs> of, of apes, and there, you know Trump has been the alpha, and the way the alpha keeps stays keeps his position is by intimidating anyone who comes after him. The what what you see in these cases is the minute somebody goes after the leader and draws some blood, and if and then if other people start to join in it's a, it just takes off from there. It's a joint effect, right? So it is a collective action to take down the guy. We're starting to see something like that. I don't, I, he would have to, he, I'm sure he's going to try to destroy them, but I don't know he has the ability to do it. So we have Pence doing it. We definitely have Chris Christie doing it. Um, who else would we put in this cat? DeSantis is doing some of it. He's been uh, taking some point, you know, punches, but he's watching him. He wants to see, okay, are they drawing blood from the apex predator? Is right. the apex predator limping? Because and then you know and that. Don't forget, <laughs> don't forget that that Brian Kemp and um, and all of them, Nikki Haley and all the rest, also piled on to Trump over his congratulations to Kim Jong Un. That also right. happened yes. in the past. It week. was a big deal. So let, no, let me so, I, th I thought that was a tell. Yeah, let, sorry, let me just ahead. loop that in for a minute. Part of the effect, part of what can help these guys succeed, possibly we don't know, is just them all acting together. If they all decide they can take down right. the alpha. The other thing is, do they have a vantage point? Do they have a leverage point that they can use? And the leverage point that I'm seeing, certainly from Pence, to some extent from Christie, to some extent from DeSantis, is Reaganism. It is P Pence's attack on Trump, both in his announcement, in his CNN town hall, was very squarely, it's policy oriented. But you saw in that super PAC ad, he names abortion, he names Putin, Right. Mona's example, Mona brings up the Kim Jong Un thing. That's where mm -hmm. Brian Kemp and others went after him. They're starting to smell the idea that there is a constituency or enough of a constituency in the Republican Party uh, that supports 
traditionally Reaganite conservative views on social issues, on foreign policy, maybe on economic policy. We'll see about that. I'm not sure about that. But th that is their common uniting thing with, with the base of the Republican Party. So I I'm very curious to see, in Pence's yeah. case, clearly a strategy that he's going to be the Reagan candidate. And um, I, I think he's got a chance. I'm naive. Oh, man. Okay. But I think he's got a chance. <laughs> No, I say I I don't think I don't think he has a chance. I don't think Chris Christie has a chance, but I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, somebody has to take down the apex predator. And so I, I do think we need to separate out our sort of criticism from, OK, but this actually might be the end of Trumpism in theory. OK, I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but Joe, I want to get uh, play something for you and, and get your get your reaction, because, OK, so there's Mike Pence, who during the day yesterday announces is much more critical of Donald Trump than I think people were expecting. I don't think people were expecting that he was going to go like full Liz Cheney on January 6th in the ad. But by the end of the day, he's doing that town hall meeting with Anna Bash, and he's caught up in the whole question of, okay, are you willing to go as far as Chris Christie? Are you willing to go the whole way and say that you won't support Donald Trump uh, if he's the nominee and he wouldn't do it. You know, he's the guy that has, has said, I am a Christian first, I'm a conservative second, I'm a Republican third. But when it comes right down to it, he's a Republican first. He's putting the partisan loyalty ahead of everything else. And then, of course, he gets himself all tied up in the question of the indictment, which is very timely since the indictment has come down. So, Joe, I want to get your comments on this on the other side. Here's the rather cringeworthy exchange between Mike Pence and Dana Bash about the question of what do you think about the indictment of the guy who may have committed of various federal felonies? Let's play cut number two, Jim. I think now more than ever, we ought to be finding ways we could actually come and together. Sir, I, we're going to get and to this kind of, of this kind of action by the Department of Justice, I think, would only fuel uh, further division in the country. And let me also say, I think it would also send a terrible message to the wider world. I mean, we're the we're the emblem of democracy. We're the symbol of justice in the world. And the, the, the serious matter, which has already happened once in New York, of indicting a former president of the United States sends a terrible message to the world. I hope the Does DOJ it? thinks better of it and resolves these issues without an indictment. Sir, I just want to clarify. <laughs> what you're saying is that if they believe he committed a crime, they should not go forward with an indictment. You just talked before about no, look, committing to the rule of law. Let me be clear that no one's above the law. Okay. Um, Whoops. But with regard yeah. to the unique what? circumstances here. Uh, but. It, <laughs> look, I, I, those classified, I had no business having classified documents in my residence. Um, and I took full responsibility for it. President Biden had no business having them in his residence from when he was vice president as well. And the same with former President Trump. But I, I would just hope that uh, there would be a way for them to move forward without the dramatic and drastic and divisive step of indicting a former president of the United States. We've got to find a way to move our country forward and, and restore confidence in equal treatment under the law in this country. We really do. All right. So, Joe, what is he trying to do there? What's, what's going on inside of Mike Pence's head there? I think that he was kind of short-circuiting because there's different... <laughs> There's different paths that you can go. There's, you know, the easy way out, which is what I think I'm going to hear a lot of mm -hmm. next week on Capitol Hill is this hurts Donald Trump's ability to win elections that like that's the worst thing imaginable. Mm -hmm. That's the easy way out. There's the like Will said, the focus on the kind of meat of these charges. And if it's obstruction heavy, that's what differentiates it. If it's just he had these documents here. Yeah then you'll see a lot more people defend him most likely because they'll be rushing to say, you didn't prosecute Biden, you didn't prosecute Pence. Pence will say, you didn't prosecute me, you shouldn't have prosecuted Donald Trump. But if there's actual details about obstruction, about concerted efforts to hide this from the federal government, and it makes him look, it makes him look paranoid, it makes him look erratic, and that's something that another candidate would love to seize on because that's when they're weak. Well, and also whether the word espionage is in the headlines tomorrow or the, or the next day, which, which again, we don't know. We're, we're, we're you know, speculating about whether that would make a difference. I'm actually yeah. also interested in knowing 
what will Mike Pence say if Jack Smith indicts Donald Trump for inciting the January 6th insurrection? Because it's very clear that he's prepared to go on that. In fact, that was one of the issues where he broke ranks with Donald Trump. He was asked, what about, you know, Donald Trump is saying he's going to pardon a lot of the January 6th rioters. And Mike Pence made it absolutely clear that he would not go along with that. So I do wonder, I mean, Mona, what do you think? Will, will you know, Mike Pence a, take the same position if, in fact, there's another tranche of, of indictments involving January 6th, given that an, ad that we just played? excellent question, yeah. and he may get wrapped around the axle again when he's yeah. asked about that. But I, I just wanted to respond to his assertion that this hurts us, our image in the world. Um, I, I think the exact opposite. Yeah. I think what the world is looking to see is if there is accountability and if the rule of law really does apply. There, as as uh, Charlie, you and I were discussing on uh, Just Between Us this week, I mean, there are countries all over the world, uh, liberal democratic nations that have prosecuted uh, former prime ministers, former uh, presidents, and uh, sometimes even put them in jail um, and uh, and they are still fine, you know, France, Israel, you know, South Korea. I mean, these are fine uh, d democratic yeah. societies that nobody thinks are banana republics. Uh, they actually prosecuted uh, criminal uh, former leaders. And that yeah. is is uh, yeah. is to our credit, not it's not going to uh, harm our international standing. Yeah, well. Yeah, uh, holy. Uh, the reason why I was banging my head listening to Pence was exactly for the reason that Mona just articulated. We do need to send a message to the world, and the message is we're not a banana republic because the world is looking at if we don't prosecute this the the president for doing what. Uh, and Charlie, you had in your newsletter. I don't remember the details. We just put away some former colonel, right? Retired colonel for like three years for 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 a, a classified documents mm -hmm. violation. If we say well, Donald Trump was the president, so we don't want to mess with that. Then we are sending a message that we're a banana republic. And and in addition, it kills me, absolutely kills me when Mike Pence says, uh, we don't, and no one is above the law, he says, you know, I'm a good Christian, no one's above the law. Yeah. But there are what he called unique circumstances. Yeah, what does that mean? There, there are no unique, the unique, the unique circumstance is that Donald Trump is a former president and therefore we should treat him differently. So the unique circumstance is Mike Pence's way of saying that Trump should be above the law. Yeah, the, the, exactly. I mean, and that, that little clip there where he says no one should be above the law except the unique circumstance, except Donald Trump should be above the, the law. Yeah. And and yeah. so, I mean, and and there and there you have it. But this is why I think there's a little bit of a burden and uh, on on Jack Smith uh, to 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 make this case. This is not just a matter where he can come out with a one page, you know, series of, of the statutes that were violated. He needs to tell the story, you know, on, on my podcast today with Ben Wittes from Lawfare. He said it almost needs to be a novel. He needs to explain to the American people what happened, why it is important, why we are doing something that's never happened before in American history. And he's got to lay out what is the, the evidence uh, behind this, the, the tapes, the emails, the memos, the contemporaneous things. So um, this is going to be interesting to me because I, I think that in the New York indictments, Alvin Bragg did not do a great job of explaining this in detail, making the case. I think that Jack Smith needs to do that. Okay, Can so- Can I mention one quick thing? Yeah, Charlie? please, yeah, please. Um, the subpoena. I mean, you know, I mean, if he's going to say, oh, but Biden had documents and, and Pence had documents, why aren't they indicting them? Well, you know, Trump got a subpoena from the FBI for the documents and he flouted it, he ignored it. You, you can't do that in this country, okay? There are legal consequences to dis disregarding a subpoena. And neither uh, President Biden nor former Vice President Pence, uh, they, they accidentally took classified documents. The minute they realized right. that they had them, they turned yeah. them back over. You know, to, to ignore a subpoena is a serious matter. Well, and and I'm 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 getting some word here that uh, ABC is reporting now that in fact it is a speaking indictment, and 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 this is the the, the term of art for an indictment that has this narrative detail to it, which I think is incredibly important. Okay, so to this question of whether or not 
the environment is is different. Something really did happen this week that did not happen in 2016, which is that Chris Christie, who has a lot of baggage, and I want to stipulate he's not going to win this election. He's not going to be the nominee. Um, and he bears a huge amount of responsibility for enabling Donald Trump. I can still remember, by the way, from my previous life, sitting in my radio studio, watching that television monitor when Chris Christie is standing behind Donald Trump, you know, there's the shine box and legitimizing him. And that was that was a huge moment. And he stuck with Trump for a very, very long time. But having said that, we knew that he was going to be critical of Donald Trump. But what we saw this week, I have to say, I was uh, I was reminded that even though he's a flawed politician, that Chris Christie is an incredibly gifted politician. He is a uniquely talented politician, and he's also prepared to go there, to go at every single issue. He's not just relying on the bullshit of you know winning and losing. He is going after the grift. He is going after the narcissism. He is going after Donald Trump in a way that no Republican candidate for president did back in 2016. So, Will, before I become... And, and by the way, I, I have a long track record. I'll be glad to show people my clippings where I basically explained that if I ever sat down with uh, with uh, Chris Christie, I'd have to say, F you, F you, what were you thinking? Why did you do this? I have to say that that was, that was a hell of a performance. And that does indicate to me that this is, it, look, it, he's going to be worth watching. What do you think, Will? So, all right, before I, I was a little bit mocked here for saying that these guys have a chance, but when I say they have a chance, just to be clear, I don't mean they have a chance of winning the, the, the nomination. Right, right. What I mean is they have a chance of taking down Trump in conjunction, acting with others. And the Christie's totally fascinating. So I will spare uh, everyone here the, the trouble of watching. Although, you know what? So Chris Christie's mm -hmm. campaign announcement was standing in a room for about two and a half hours. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing. Let me tell you what, what happened here. For about half an hour, Chris Christie gave some introductory spiel about America has gotten small and we need to be big again. Um, I don't have an extensive uh, experience with cannabis. I don't know about the rest of you, but what I was watching Chris Christie do for that half hour was the closest thing I have seen to, he, he spoke as though he were stoned. It was the weirdest, most incoherent, incomprehensible thing about big and small. So it was ridiculous, useless. Then the question and answer starts. And when the Q&A starts, Chris Christie was amazing, just amazing. And what I saw for the next hour and a half, two hours is honesty, Charlie. I saw a, a, he was talking, he wasn't even talking like a politician. He was yeah. speaking the truth about the Trump administration, about its failures, about Donald Trump's character flaws, about what they led to, about Jared Kushner taking $2 billion from the Saudis. He held nothing back. It was as though, right. uh, it was almost a Charlie Sykes quality takedown of Donald Trump. And, oh, and that's high praise. <laughs> what I really appreciated about it though was, I felt as though, not that I was in that room, but I felt as though here's a guy running for president and he's not talking like a candidate. He's talking like a real person. And well, this is why he's so. This is why he's so different. I mean, I, I actually, you know, back in the before times, I, I developed a, a real allergy to going to political events and fundraisers, with the exception of when Chris Christie came into Wisconsin. He was here very, very frequently. I always wanted to go because it was performance art, just to watch this guy do it. I mean, maybe sixty percent of it is complete bullshit, but. His ability to speak off the cuff without any notes whatsoever. And clearly that Chris Christie you saw is, and I'm 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 sorry to offend people who are listening with their children, but he's all out of fucks to give. I mean, he is basically saying, I am not gonna calculate whether am I gonna go after, you know, Jared Navanka? Am I gonna talk about the grip? Am I gonna talk about the Saudis? Am I gonna talk about how he's gonna surrender to Vladimir Putin? Am I gonna talk about, you know, him being a mirror hog and a narcissist and all of those things? And it's like, wow, that was something. And again, I want to go back to the, okay, he's not going to win. But if he succeeds in drawing blood from the apex predator, if he succeeds in moving that Overton window of criticism, um, that will be something. Because, you know, these are things that we have not heard. And Joe, do you have any thoughts on all of this? I mean, I understand that, that you know, I mean, are you getting a sense that people in, in on Capitol Hill, are Republicans doing that whole double shift thing where they say one thing in private and one thing in public? 
Um, that's kind of been going on just forever. For, about forever. I, I would say about Chris Christie is that like I covered quite a few events that when he was still running for president in 2016, and he had a really good ability to emotionally connect with people yeah. there. Like he's not going to dominate airwaves. He's not going to sweep all these different states. If he wants to make a real impact on Trump, it's going to be somewhere like New Hampshire, where a lot of the people there are very politically engaged, very politically literate. It's a very small state. It's a very important state in the process. And if he can, you know, chip away at whatever substantial lead Trump has there, that's where somebody else can kind of come in. But then it also gets harder where the second best candidate is or second best polling candidate is Ron DeSantis, who is not good at that at all, is the exact opposite of Christie in those kinds of settings. And so I think that's where he makes his gains in terms of in Congress, from what I, from the people I've spoken to in the past week about Christie is that like, he doesn't, he doesn't exist. They don't want to talk about him. Yeah. They're not interested in entertaining his campaign. And as far as Trump goes, there's a lot of, you know, I'm letting, I'm seeing how this plays out, except for, you know, his core fans. Well, you made a couple of points there. I mean, number one, the contrast between Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis was pretty dramatic this week. Um, And so I do wonder whether in DeSantis's mind, he's thinking, okay, I, I, I don't want that, that contrast. Will he be more outspoken? I have, I have no idea. Um, Chris Christie is going to get a lot of media attention for this. He won't have a lot of money, but, but one myth that I think we need to puncture and tell me whether you disagree with me, uh, Will, Mona and Joe, um, people are talking about, well, you know, Chris Christie, when he gets on that debate stage with Donald Trump, he can go, you know, head to head. This is never going to happen. I mean, I just want to lay the marker down. Uh, Donald Trump will never get on a debate stage with Chris Christie, not just because he doesn't want to be on a debate stage with Chris Christie, but because he doesn't want to be on a debate stage at all. You know, he wants this to be a coronation. That is just not going to happen, which then raises the question, okay, if Chris Christie cannot do it head to head with Donald Trump, how is he going to draw the the blood? What do you think, Mona? So um, first, let me give a shout out to Chris Christie, though I haven't been willing to uh, reveal this before because he didn't do it, but, but yep, he and I went to the same high school. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yep. Livingston High School grads, both of us. Um, <clears throat> but um, no, I, I think Charlie- You've, you've kept this a secret for how many years now? A <laughs> uh, long time. <laughs> so, so, but here's the thing. Um, he- you're right about the debate stage. So if he, I don't think Christie was was banking on that being his path. Um, if he if he was that that was a mistake. Um, but because he is so good at the punching, and uh, you know, and he doesn't have a lot of money, but the press is going to cover him aggressively as long as he's hitting at Trump. And so there will be a natural echo chamber. He will get free media to a degree that only Trump got in, in 2016. Now, I don't think Christie will be able to equal that, but it will be substantial. Yeah. And so it's going to be in the ether and then Trump is going to have to respond to it. That in turn elevates Christie and uh, he becomes more than a sideshow because Trump will not be able to resist hitting back. The minute the people, at, you know, um, in the press are saying, but Christie says, and it's going to get interesting. No, exactly. Um, and Chris Christie is going to get a lot of attention. And I know that, you know, Joe says they're ignoring him on Capitol Hill. But at a certain point, it's going to be hard to ignore him because he's doing the one thing you need to be newsworthy, which That's is right. to say something newsworthy, to say right. something that no one else is saying. And people will go, Okay, so we have a conservative Republican, former governor, presidential candidate who is saying these kinds of things. So and you're right. Uh, Donald Trump will not be able to resist the bait, but it's going to be interesting. What happens when Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and maybe even Ron DeSantis look around and go, why is this guy sucking up all the oxygen? What am I going to do with that? What do you think? Okay, so. Hmm. I want to answer that. Let me come a little bit roundabout. First of all, of all the people running for president, most candidates, maybe they take some polling, they sit down with a consultant, they look at the situation. 
And they're asking the question, can I win? And if I can't win, I'm not going to run. Chris Christie, I think, is different. I think that if his people told him, you're not going to win, but you could really hurt Trump and, and, and cost him the nomination, I think he would do it. it he, may be, he may be just thinking that. That would be success for him. Having said that, here's the scenario where Chris Christie actually takes off and becomes more than that, becomes an affirmative proposition that he could actually go somewhere. It's the list you gave me, Charlie. It's DeSantis, Pence, Haley. What do they all have in common? DeSantis is a robot. Pence, pious, stiff. Haley, uh, kind of oily, you know, Southern kind of charm, kind of bless your heart. I'm not showing you what I really think, <laughs> right? No, they're all various kinds of fake. Right. They're all various kinds of fake. Kind of if I ask myself as a Republican voter, who's real in this field? Mm. There's only one guy, and that's Christie. If realness starts to matter, he's the one who takes off. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, Chris Christie is Chris Christie. I mean, Chris Christie's the guy that, you know, we're going to see that picture of him on the beach a lot. Uh, you know, he's got, I was actually asked about this on, on a podcast from The Guardian this morning. And they said, well, you know, what about, you know, the thing about closing the lane on the highway and then taking the vacation on, on the beach? And I said, yeah, that's that's going to hurt him. But let's put this in context. Compare the worst thing that Chris Christie ever did to <laughs> Donald Trump. He didn't try to overthrow the Congress of the United States. He has not done these things. He's not going to sell out the country, you know, to the world's worst dictators. But um, there does something. It is riveting to watch him. And uh I, I think he's doing a, uh, a town hall meeting uh, on Monday that I think is going to be very interesting. Okay, now I don't know because we're doing this live and we're not like a major, you know, broadcast media, but guys, I got to tell you something here. Wait, wait. So Donald Trump has released a video response to this indictment. Do you think we'll be able to play that? Can we? Can we play... Donald Trump, this is tonight. Very sadly, we're a nation in decline, and yet they go after a popular president, a president that got more votes than any sitting yeah. president in the history of our country. Yeah. Ex-president loser. And did much better the second time in the election than the first. And they go after him on a boxes hoax, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and all of the others, it's just been going on for seven years, that they can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. Innocent they had the Mueller hoax, I'm the Mueller victim. report, and that came out. No collusion after two and a half years. That was set up by Hillary Clinton and Democrats. But this is what they do. This is what they do so well. If they would devote their energies to honesty and integrity will be a lot better for our country. They could do a lot better. They could do a lot of great things. But when you look at what's happened to our country in the last three years, we were energy independent. We had a strong military that wasn't woke. We were doing so well. We were respected all over the world. We got the biggest tax cuts in history, biggest regulation cuts in history. And what do you do? You have a president where an election was taken, got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, never anything yeah, even nope, close. He's, he's repeating. And they come after Looping. me yeah. because now we're leading in the polls again by uh, a lot against Biden and against the Republicans by a lot. But we're leading against Biden by a lot, a tremendous amount. What? And we went up to a level that they figure the way they're going to stop us is by using what's called warfare. And that's what it is. This is warfare for the law. And we can't let it happen. Trying to we say can't let it happen. Our <laughs> country is going to hell. And they come after Donald Trump, weaponizing the Justice Department, okay. weaponizing yeah. the FBI. We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping yeah. our country to shreds. Oh, really? We have such yeah. big problems, okay. and this shouldn't be one of them. Okay. Can we? All right. That's I, 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 that, that, that's as much as I can take. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm ranting to be followed by all caps truth social bleeds. So, uh, who wants to react to what you just saw? It's, it's, uh, um, I, I, I thought I have to say it was kind of low energy. What did you think, Joe? Uh, what did you think? I think he was talking like he does at rallies where he just yeah. like it's just whatever <laughs> through his, his brain. <laughs> And it's just like, like no one even knows what he's talking about. Like, 
Yeah. Like 30 seconds in, I'm like, the woke military? Like, and so when he starts to do this, unlike the Russian unwoke yeah, military, yeah. This kind of speaking that he does, like that's for like the always Trumpers who will be with him no matter what. And then mm -hmm. like when he's at rallies. And it's he hasn't been doing these rallies because maybe someone in the campaign operation is suggesting he do smaller events. But like when he was in Iowa last week, he only did small venues, which is rare for him. So if he's pivoting to small venues, he just seems like a crazy man in the diner if he starts talking like this. This kind of behavior only works at rallies. Mona, what do you think? This is why- Crazy man at a diner. This yeah. is what, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but th this is why he oh chose God. to run in for for office in twenty twenty four. It's it's entire. I think almost yes. entirely. Yes. To prevent a, a an indictment, I think he felt that it was um, impenetrable armor that they wouldn't dare to indict a candidate because he would claim that it was merely an attempt to uh, to interfere in the electoral process, which he is claiming. And it didn't work out for him. And so now he's trying to, you know, he's flailing, he's bleeding, he's, uh, he, and by the way, I thought he looked awful in that little clip, but you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. But, but um, he had his first year speechwriters put that together for him, didn't he? <laughs> See, that's the thing is he goes out and he clearly was just, you know, as Joe was, that was just stream of consciousness. Absolutely. Was, and the fact that he starts repeating himself is like, oh, wow, okay. Um, but uh, but, you know, we'll see. But I, I think, um, you know, the, his fans um, may very well uh, be upset and uh, and uh, be um, be convinced that this sure, is sure part of a witch hunt. They will. Yeah, but you know what? They but they they, they don't, are right. But let, the, let's keep reminding ourselves that they are what they are not the majority. Great. They That's what we need to keep reminding of a minority. They are a minority of a minority. So. What did you think of that performance art, uh, Will Salatan? <laughs> well, first of all, did anybody else think, I felt like I was watching James Austin Johnson, the guy who impersonates Trump with the, you know, yeah. it was almost comical. Oh, the accordion yeah. hands, yeah. He's, he's exaggerating himself. It was, it was kind of ridiculous, obviously. <laughs> and by the way, for folks who don't know, nobody, no serious person should spend time on Truth Social watching what Donald Trump posts there. But he posts a lot of this kind of stuff of him just sort of standing in, front of a wall and just saying whatever comes to mind for 30 seconds a minute, however long he goes. Um, but I want to come back to Mona's point about this is why he ran. So Trump's message in that in that video, as, as he's done in others, is this is all election interference. And I think what Mona's, I agree with Mona, he runs for president to prevent this. But I've been watching the NBA playoffs. And so I think the analogy I want to draw here is to uh, uh, Donald Trump, what he's doing is in the NBA is called a flop. He's there's somebody <laughs> going. Jack Smith is going to the basket That's and a Donald soccer Trump, thing. You know, I'm going to step in front of him by running for. So he, he's going to make himself a candidate and then claim that because he's a candidate that the that the you know, the guy is so that it's a, a, a charge. This is in the NBA. This is known as failing to establish position. This <laughs> look, think about all these cases against Donald Trump. They've been going on this whole time before he was a candidate. He's trying to create this impression that all this stuff was that the cases are being brought against him because he's running. In fact, it all predates, right? The 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 so-called boxes investigation, yeah. all of the yeah. subpoenas and stuff were going on before. Yeah, but he don't confuse with the logic and the facts here, Will, because <laughs> I mean, I, I think at the top of True Social, he basically says, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you. Yeah. I am not the victim. Right. I am the person who is standing between them and you. And he's Shown an, an, you know, an ability to be effective. The question is, what do normie Republicans do with this playing out? I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, clearly his base, the loyalists are going to be all in. But as we've seen, I mean, Mike Pence is not going to get this nomination. Chris Christie's not going to get the nomination. So they're all sitting around going, okay, blood in the water. Who is going to take advantage of this, right? Because that was a pathetic performance. Do we all agree on that? Yes. That was, that, was, that was pathetic. You would think that having been informed that he's facing a federal indictment, that the, the man who, you know, I fight, I alone, I am your justice, I am your retribution, would come up with something a little bit less flaccid than what we just saw. I'm sorry, yeah. Will, I interrupted you. Uh, no, no, I mean, I, it, it, 
Yeah, it's a it's a very weak performance. I agree with that. And it just to the extent that he comes across as weak in his response, it, it adds to this blood in the water phenomenon. But but the whole the history of Donald Trump, let's remember, is first he's we can't indict him because he's the president. We don't yeah. indict a sitting president. Yeah. Then it's he's leaving office. He's going into private right. life. What good does it do the country? Right. Jim on the way out. Then it's he's returning from private life and he's running for president again, and therefore we can't indict him. So the common thread is they're always going to find some excuse and they're going to frame it in terms of some legal precedent for why Donald Trump can never be prosecuted, even when everybody else can. And and Charlie, I I have boundless faith in in Republican politicians to come up with excuses for that. There is an endless supply of rationalizations if that's what they want to do. The only reason why they might not is if they decide that the apex predator thing is over and that they don't have to do that anymore. Can I right. just say one quick thing about this performance tonight? Because, you know, Trump sort of um, fanatically uh, monitors how everybody looks on television all the time and yeah. especially himself like all the time. Yeah, he looked awful. He sounded awful. He's going to know that. And I bet you, because he is one thing he's a master of is dominating the news cycle and changing the subject when he thinks he needs to. He's going to pull some sort of stunt tomorrow or the day after to get this performance that we just saw out of our minds and replace it with something else. Well, how does he change the news cycle? Because you're absolutely right. That's normally his, 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 uh, his, uh, his, his focus. And when he was president of the United States, he could do that. Yeah. But he's not. No, he that's very true. diminished. And I mean, this is a reminder, again, of all the ways it, it is uh, fundamentally different to be an ex-president than be the president of the United States. I don't know how he changes this, because now the news cycle over the next several days is going to be all about this indictment, uh, the details of the indictment, the, the the story that Jack Smith tells. And as Joe points out, there's going to be an arraignment on Tuesday, which is going to be like one of these mega, mega media events. And so here we are on Thursday night, and this will be the only thing that is happening in the world Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, probably Wednesday as well. And I don't know what he can do. No, it's right. You you know, he can't announce a summit with Kim Jong-un, you know? Right. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, to go back to your point earlier, and I don't want this to get lost. I mean, I thought it was an interesting flex over the weekend that uh, Republicans uh, were willing to go after Donald Trump for sucking up to Kim Jong-un. Now, he'd been doing that for years. There's nothing new about this. I mean, he's been sucking up to dictators like Vladimir Putin and Duterte from uh, the Philippines and President Xi and uh, Viktor Orban from from Hungary. And yet this weekend, everybody said, "Okay, you know what? You know, let's go after him on this. And I was thinking about that, that Pence video where, which again, still quite surprising, he clearly is picking out some wedge issues that he thinks might, uh, you know, create a wedge between Donald Trump and his image and Donald Trump and the base. So he went after him on January 6th, which is problematic for Republicans. But then he also then pivoted to go after him on things like his praise for Vladimir Putin and, and his waffling on abortion. I don't know whether this will make a difference in the end, but there is at least you can tell thinking, how do we take this guy down a few notches? So now, Joe, I want to come back to you because I'm also sensing something else on social media over the last uh, couple of uh, weeks, which is that so much of the energy on the right, there's a lot of you know flailing about the Biden crime family and Hunter's laptop, and that's that's going to be there forever. But there's so much energy that's being spent now on mega on mega violence the DeSantis folks going after the Trump folks. And and it's really kind of ramped up. And then this week, and I want you to talk about what's happening in the House of Representatives, because Kevin McCarthy, like last week, I think the narrative was, so Kevin McCarthy has survived this debt ceiling thing. He was able to pull this off. He's able to keep his job. And then the Freedom Caucus folks, the Taliban, whatever, you know, the Taliban caucus basically says, uh, screw you, Kevin, Uh, we're going to blow the place up. And they've essentially ground the actual voting business of the House to a halt. So, I mean, give me a sense of, yeah. of, of what you because, because he was, I mean, Ke, Mike Kevin was blindsided by this, wasn't he? He didn't yeah, see so this coming. Kevin got a deal done by working with Democrats. They passed, mm. so before they pass a bill, they pass the rule, which mm. allows them to open debate for a day and then they vote on the final thing. 
historically, the majority party has to carry the rule. For the debt ceiling deal, there weren't enough Republicans, so Democrats had to join in and carry the rule over the finish line for them. And that was very unprecedented. And so not only did Kevin cutting this deal, it's not really the meat of what was in the debt ceiling deal that's bothered these Freedom Caucus members, it's that he went to the Democrats and said, you are irrelevant to the equation here. The one thing, uh, Paul Ryan's former top aide, Brendan Buck, made a really good point this week, is that the one thing the Freedom Caucus craves is relevance. And that stunt by McCarthy to work with Democrats made them feel very irrelevant and very inadequate. And so they knew, they tested the waters over the week to determine, is there enough energy to do a motion to vacate, which would remove Kevin from the speakership? There isn't. So the next best stunt is by holding out on the rule, which means they can't even vote. The thing that they stopped from happening was their own Republican I know. to protect our precious gas stoves. It was a ga- it was a messaging bill that wasn't going to go to the Senate, and they blocked it like an easy win for them. Its primary sponsor is another Freedom Caucuser, and it's like they're just keeping things on hold to squeeze out more things. They just announced they're going to vote on um, the ATF's pistol brace rule, which is like a uh, you know for guns. And that's like one of the concessions they're getting, but Kevin's already given away the store. So there's really not much he can do other than say, I'm super sorry, we're gonna not do anything with Democrats, but they're gonna have to eventually when they have to fund the government again. See, I thought it was very naive that people thought that Kevin McCarthy could cut a deal with Joe Biden and then work with the Democrats and not pay a price with, with the base. And then of course there was all that, nah, 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 see how irrelevant you are and the Freedom Caucus people, obviously. They don't care about governing. They don't care about getting anything done. They know that they have the power to blow things up, and they did, and they will in the future. So one of the more interesting things that happened, and I want to get your take on this too, is I think it was Puck that talked with Steve Scalise, who's the number two, and they said, well, what's going on? And he seemed, there seemed to be a little tension there between him and Kevin McCarthy, and he very explicitly said, I don't know what that secret deal was. I don't know what Kevin McCarthy promised those guys, you know, Scalise. how much of his testicles he gave away to those guys. I thought that was interesting that he would say that. Scalise has been really absent from everything. He wasn't uh, a driving force to get McCarthy the gavel in that whole process. He wasn't a driving force in the debt ceiling bill, bill and he's his number two. And it's, he's, so he's kind of sitting on the sidelines. So he's obviously pissed too. But you know, like you saw, Garrett Graves was the one doing the debt ceiling deal, like, and then Patrick McHenry, like he's tapping all of these like really good legislative talents who like Patrick McHenry, everyone thought he would be speaker one day, but he doesn't want the job because he's smart. And so he's tapping all these good little talents and Scalise is kind of left out in the dark. And Scalise was also thought of to be like another maybe conservative option to be speaker. Yeah. I still don't know if he is or if there's any appetite in the conference for that, but that's why he kind of had this lash out moment. It was with Punchbowl who I'm sorry, Punchbowl. Yeah. yeah, They get a lot of access on the Hill. So that's how they broke this. So, so I guess, I guess, you know, going back to the, the original question and, and Mona's point about whether we're tiptoeing toward normality, normality, Did you use normality or or normalcy? Uh, You know, with all due respect to Warren Harding, I use the correct word, which is normality. Normality. Because (laughs) what's very clear is that we don't have this this absolute um, unity among MAGA Republicans right now. They are picking at one another. And I do think there's a sense that they're kind of tiptoeing and feeling their way. How far can we go? But, But when we're living in an environment where even Nikki Haley is willing to attack Donald Trump on, on foreign policy, where Chris Christie is hammering him, where Mike Pence is going after him on January 6th, um, and, and where we have an op- we have open warfare between Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. We're kind of in a new area. I mean, yeah. this is this is like, can we have a little bit of popcorn here? Because they're fighting. They're fighting with each other right now. And I don't see that, that that's going to dial down. I don't see anything that's going to happen over the next, say, six months that's going to make Republicans go, hey, all kumbaya. In fact, rather the opposite. I mean, in this indictment is like just pouring kerosene on all of this. 
So stay tuned to the bulwark, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be <laughs> and, a wild ride. Oh, it is going to be a very, very wild ride, and we're going to be all over it. Uh, check out my newsletter tomorrow morning, uh, Morning Shots, and of course, we'll talk about this on the Bulwark podcast over the weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Thursday Night Bulwark. We appreciate your support. We are a reader-supported uh, website, uh, and uh, you know, Bulwark Plus members are basically the the wind beneath our wings. And uh, we love all of you guys, and we are incredibly grateful. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll do this again next week.